the 11th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Michelle, want to give it a try? Well, because I'm hungry, food, uh, friendly, um, not so friendly, frightening, um, fanatics. That's three. Wait, I think you got three out of four. Food, frightening. Well, we'll try it again next time. Yep, we'll try it next week. Three out of four, that's as close as you've gotten so far. So this podcast is about two of our favorite things, food and scary movies. Before we begin, a few disclaimers. We'll review one movie each week and Michelle will go over, and Michelle will come up with a food based on the themes of that movie. We're not experts on anything. We'll try to keep these fairly short since, like you, we'll become distracted and wander off. And this should always go without saying, but just in case, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you have not seen these films. Also, I want to thank again Carl Casey for our excellent music. You can find him on Fiverr or on his website at White Bat Audio, W-H-I-T-E-B-A-T audio.com. Love his music. What do you think, Michelle? It's fantastic. The categories as well. So, having said all of that, this week we're reviewing Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Now, this is not really a franchise per se, but instead it's several remakes. There are four films total in the series. They're all based on a 1954 novel by Jack Finney entitled The Body Snatchers. The first movie was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956, directed by Dan Siegel, starring Kevin McCarthy as Dr. Miles Bennett and Dana Winter as Becky Driscoll. This was shot in black and white. And, and I did see it. She did see it. She saw it with me a couple days ago. The second movie is also called Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's from 1978, directed by Philip Kaufman. Starring Donald Sutherland as Matthew Bunnell, Brooke Adams as Elizabeth Driscoll, Jeff Goldblum as Jack Bilicek, and Veronica Cartwright as Nancy Bilicek. You'll also remember her from another franchise we went over previously, the Alien franchise. In the first Alien, she's one of the people sitting at the table when the chest buster comes out of that guy and scares the bejesus out of her. So that's a great scene. Um, both Kevin, Car- Kevin McCarthy and Dan Siegel from the first movie make cameos in the second movie, but we'll talk about more about that a little bit later. The third movie is called Just Body Snatchers. It's from 1993, and this is the lesser known of most of the movies because it did not have a wide theatrical release. It's directed by Abel Ferreira, starring Gabrielle Anwar, Terry McKinney, Meg Tilly, remember her from our Psycho 2 discussion? Mm-hmm. And also Forrest Whitaker plays a, a, a fairly small role in this one. And lastly, the fourth one, called The Invasion, because they were tired of naming things Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's from 2007. That was directed by Oliver Hirschbagel with some rewritten scenes by the Wachowskis because the studio didn't like Oliver's cut of the film. And that's starring Nicole Kidman. And Daniel Craig, Veronica Cartwright, also makes a cameo in the fourth film. 
So I like the idea of having people from previous films just show up and do a little tiny part in later ones. How about you? I agree. Where can you watch these movies? They're not the easiest things in the world to find. They're not on Netflix, Hulu, or Shudder. The 1956 version is available on Amazon for a fee. Body Snatchers and The Invasion are available on YouTube movies. And the 1978 version is available on iTunes. Or the library. No. No? Oh, I love the library. I'm a library. Love the library. You can't get them at the library? Well, I guess. I don't know. You can get them at the library. I haven't checked. The novel is also available as an audiobook on YouTube. It's like six hours long. Search for Jack Finney, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I listened to that this week, so I've also listened to the book now. Um, and there's also a director commentary on YouTube that you might want to check out as well. Rotten Tomatoes scores. Um, the first one, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956, has a 98% from critics. That's one of the highest I've seen. How about you? 85 from audiences. The second one from 1978, 95 from critics and 81 from audiences. The third one, like I said, not many people even saw this movie, 71% from audiences, 38, I mean, 71% from critics, 38% from audiences. Mm -hmm. Audiences really didn't like this movie. And The Invasion, nobody liked The Invasion, 19% from critics and 40% from audiences. Uh, the basic plot is in the nineteen fifty six movie Alien Spores arrive on Earth and affect the fictional town of Santa Maria, California. It's Mill Valley, California in the book. Oh, I thought it was a real town. <laughs> no. The spores grow into pods that can replicate sleeping sleeping humans. They absorb a person's appearance, memory, mannerisms, everything except for their feelings. So the imposters are emotionless. And, of course, Dr. Miles Bunnell doesn't know what we know, so he has to find out the hard way. People around him start acting strangely. They say their relatives, friends, etc. aren't the real thing. And he confers with a couple of his colleagues that are psychiatrists, and they chalk it up to a case of mass hysteria. And then Miles and Becky, who's his ex-girlfriend who's just returned to town after a divorce, um, go over to friend Jack, and Jack in the first movie is played by King Donovan and Teddy, his wife, and she is played by Carolyn Jones from, you know, Partridge Family. No, <laughs> the Adams Family. Oh. Not the Munsters, but the Adams Family. Um, so. You know, you can guess what happens after that. One by one, people become pods. Uh, Miles and Be Becky spend a lot of time running around and running away from the townspeople. These people really got their exercise during this movie. And there are pods everywhere, trucks and trucks of pods. And these are big giant pods, not like little tiny pods. I mean, these are some big pods. And they're giant trucks. Yes. Um, so in the end, Becky finally succumbs. More on that one later because I don't understand something specifically about that. And this leaves Miles on his own. And I'll talk about the ending in one second. Goes to show you can't trust anyone. Nope. And you got to go to sleep sometime. So. so the 1978 version is similar to the 50, um, 
the 1950s version, except it takes place in San Francisco instead of Santa Mira, which actually is 10 minutes right over the bridge from Mill Valley. Mm. And the reason I know that is we used to have an office there. This time the health department is involved instead of a a doctor. I saw this movie as a child, um, and then I rewatched it, like I said, again this week. It's much more suspenseful, in my opinion, than the original one. Well, I it's suspenseful, but it moves it moves kind of slow. But it you have to sit and watch the whole thing. You you can't walk away from it because you want to know what's going to happen. Right. Now, do you remember the dog, the human face dog? Yeah. <laughs> and the reason that's a great special effect, even though it's dated at this point, but it's because a guy and his pet dog they were laying together, a homeless man, I think, oh. and. When the pod went to replicate them, it screwed up the two bodies. Oh, that's so great. that's how. And the, how they did that special effect was they had a boxer dog, and then they had like a latex mask of a oh. man, and they stuck it on the dog. But luckily for them, when they started to film it, the dog stuck his tongue out. So if you look at it again, you'll see the dog like run up, and then <laughs> you'll see the man's face on the dog, and then you'll see this tongue come out. Oh, that's great. So yeah, he just happened to stick his tongue out at that time. <laughs> so that's 1978 version. The... Uh, third ver- third movie, Body Snatchers moves the action from California to Alabama and onto an army base for some reason. Don't ask me why. And the movie centers around a teenage girl who has just arrived in the army base with her parents. Her father works for the EPA, and he's investigating something. Uh, and Meg Tilly plays her stepmother. Um, it's an okay adaptation, but I just don't understand... Uh, why they moved it to an army base because you're on a base with a whole bunch of people who were supposed to be emotionless anyway. So I'm not sure Perfect about fit. that one. Um, I did like how they the pods like extended out their tethers to like cover up the person when they were replicating them. That was a good special effect in that one. And then lastly, the invasion. The invasion, the story is quite different from the other three. This time, instead of pods, it's an alien virus that replicates people. I really like the pods, so I would like to see more pods, but whatever. The action has moved to D.C., but most of the country is affected, I think, in between Dallas and D.C. because these spores attached to a space shuttle that was arriving from space and then disintegrated in the atmosphere and then strewed the stuff all over the place. So now it's a virus. Are they organic pods? I don't know. The genders of the two leads are reversed. Nicole Kidman plays someone named Dr. Carol Bennell, and Daniel Craig is Dr. Ben Driscoll. Get it? The difference between them? Here, like I said, um, there are spores that came in from space. However, this time, since there's no pods, have you seen this movie? I don't think so. I don't remember. Okay, so this time there's no pods. Instead, the infected person barfs into the other person's face. No, I don't think I saw it. (laughs) Which makes it, you know, a few for a few gross out and interesting scenes uh, when this alien comes after you and barfs like green stuff in your face, but whatever. Um, Eventually, a vaccine is developed based on Nicole Kidman's son, who is immune to the virus because he had encephalitis as a child. So they're able to make a vaccine, and then they distribute it, and everyone who's still alive who turned into an alien 
has amnesia and doesn't remember anything about that event. I think it's kind of a cop-out. What do you think? Yeah, and then it's just done. Yeah, so. But here's a weird thing about this. I saw this movie originally in the movie theater. Like I said, it came out in 2007. And the version of the movie I saw had the microphones, you know, the booms, uh-huh. visible oh, yeah. in almost all of the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I've not seen it happen since then. But And the version, you know, that I rewatched this week didn't have it. But I'm like, what in the world happened? I don't know why they released that to a movie theater. But, I mean, you can see microphones everywhere. I don't know. That's almost stranger than the movie. Didn't have enough money to do it the right way. I guess. I paid pretty good money at the movie theater there. I'd like to see something that doesn't have 27,000 microphones in it, reminding me (laughs) that they're recording these people while they (laughs) run up and down the streets. Right. So, anyway. Future developments. In 2017, Warner Brothers was supposedly working on a remake with The Conjuring, which we already talked about. The Conjuring 2 screenwriter, David Leslie Johnson, and Predator producer, John Davis. But so far, nothing's come of it as far as I know. I haven't seen any news on it in quite a while. So why should you watch these movies? Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the first one, is often on the list of top horror movies of all times. It's in the Library of Congress's National Film Registry as one of the most important sci-fi films. Um, It's also in the American Film Institute's list of top sci-fi films. The 1978 version is considered one of the best remakes ever in film history, and many people consider it even better than the original. I might be one of those people. I don't know. I'm divided. They both have something to offer. Ready for some trivia? Sure. I love the trivia. I hope I have some good stuff in here. Yeah. So Jack Finney sold the rights to this book to the movie studio for $500. Oh, no. And never received any money after that. So all of these things that have happened, $500 is what he got. What was he thinking? Bad business decision, huh? The term pod people um, comes from these movies, and when someone refers to you as a pod person, it means that you're not acting in a way that the real you would act. It means you eat a lot of pods. I sometimes call people pod people just because <laughs> I think it's fun. Um, but, yep, that's what a pod person is. What does, all, what does it all mean in these movies? Obviously, it's an Asian, inva- an Asian an alien invasion, but... Um, people have attached lots of different social commentary to these movies. It's everything from McCarthyism to the Soviet Union to AIDS to Watergate to conformity in the modern world. You name it, somebody said that one of these movies is really about that. Wow. Um, However, many of the people involved in the original movie say it's not about any of that. It's a movie about evil alien pods. Just about pods. Sometimes. uh, What's that uh, Freudian saying? Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Yep. So the author of the book also says he was just writing a thriller. It has nothing to do with politics. So um, in the book version, the pods leave because the humans are putting up such a fight. And also the pods only had a five-year lifespan. Oh, so how's that for different? Well, that's a twist. Yep, that's not referenced, I don't think, in any of the movies. Um, 
Due to a decrease in budget, Dan Siegel in the first movie used two relatively unknown actors, they were relatively unknown at that time, for the role of Becky, they had considered Anne Bancroft, Vera Miles, remember her from Psycho? Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, who else? Kim Hunter and Donna Reed. Uh, and of course, after they slashed their budget, they had to go with two other people. The movie was shot in 23 days, so very fast turnaround time. Um, here's a good one. The director, Dan Siegel, prank-leading lady Dana Winter once. The story says he put a pod under her bed at her house because his girlfriend lived, like, right down the street from her. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but she says it wasn't under her bed. It was instead on her front doorstep, and she opened the front door and almost broke her leg trapping over the top of it. <laughs> oh, my God. How's that for fun? <laughs> that's a good one. She has a memento from the movie. Yeah, broken leg. The original ending of the 1956 movie had Miles running through traffic yelling, Look, you fools, you're in danger. Can't you see they're after you? They're after us all. Our wives, our children, everyone, while he was looking into the camera. Um, and then saying, They're here already. You're next. However, the studio, which was Allied Artists, thought the ending was too bleak, so they made him go back and write a prologue do voiceover during the actual movie, and then do an epilogue. And the epilogue in which Miles escapes to a nearby town and tells his story to a psychiatrist, they eventually believe him and alert everyone, including the FBI. I would prefer the first ending. The bleaker ending, how about you? No, I like that he got to the town and to alert. I'm always like the positive part of the... Glass half full? Yeah. I just want them all to be miserable. The original movie title was changed from Body Snatchers because there was a um, Robert Louis Stevenson short story from 1884 called The Body Snatchers, which was turned into a 1945 movie. And it's about the Burke and Hare murders. Do you know who those are? Burking? No. Um, so Burke and Hare were these two guys who sold corpses to, uh, medical schools so that they could dissect the cadavers. And they decided that they wanted some fresh corpses, so instead of digging up graves, they just started killing random people, including some of their relatives. So that's who Burke and Hare are. So that, there's a term called burking, and that's when you sit on somebody's chest to smother them to death. So, anyway... Sorry, off on a tangent, but that's, uh, that's why they didn't name it Body Snatchers. Um, for the humans that were replicated, plaster of Paris casts were made of each person, and then they covered them up with plaster of Paris, except they breathed out of a little straw. So if you're claustrophobic, that probably wouldn't work too well for you. And they got paid $5. Yeah. In the first movie, Siegel had filmed several comedic scenes, which the studio made him take out. Uh, because they wanted only horror in the movie, no comedy. Um, Siegel also directed several other movies starring Clint Eastwood and later helped Clint Eastwood get into directing. Do you know that? Well, that's surprising. And then, I don't think I said this already, but Siegel made a cameo in the second film. He was a taxi driver. Um, let's see. And I already mentioned, but uh, Kevin McCarthy also made a cameo and was a guy that was pounding on their, their window doing the same thing, going, you know, they're here, they're here. And then he 
runs off and gets run over. Uh, let's see. In the 1978 version, Veronica Cartwright did not know how the film ended. So when Donald Sutherland pointed at her and screamed, that was her real reaction. <laughs> that poor woman. And Ridley Scott did the same thing to her again. As I mentioned, she was an alien in that famous scene. She did not know something was going to bust out of that guy's chest. So I hope that poor woman got hazard pay because they apparently really like to scare her. Uh, she is good to be hysterical, though. Let's see. The most famous quote from the 1991 version by Meg Tilly as an alien when she says, Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere, because there's no one left like you. It's pretty chilling. No it's one. A, it's a good, good scene. Here's one, a good one. The cave used for the mine where Miles and Becky hid is Bronson Cave in Griffith Park. It was also used as the Bat Cave in the 1960-70 series. So that's the Bat Cave. And also the long stairs that they ran up and down and all around are in Bronson Canyon as well. Let's see. Here's a question for you. What happens to the originals when the pods replicate them? Because in the very first movie, I don't remember them talking about what happens to the original person. Do you? No. I can tell you, obviously, in the second movie, what happens is they, like, turn into this paper mache thing and dis disintegrate, and they sweep them up with a broom and throw them in the uh, back of the... Truck? What do you call it? Trash? Trash Tra truck? Trash compactor. No, no trash compactors. Take them out on the trash on Sunday. <laughs> no, apparently, uh, trash collectors are doing a big business after the alien invasion... Because they just show up all the time and people are emptying their trash cans of their old bodies in there. Um, and then the fourth one, of course, there's no duplication because it's a virus. Uh, let's see. The Shriek. Remember the Shriek when they point at something? Shrek? No, Shriek. Oh. So when they point at someone and they make that sound, I can't even make it. It's pretty... Unnerving. Uh, yeah. Um, that means they've detected a human and all the other aliens supposed to run over and try to grab them. But that only occurs in the second and third movies, not in the first movie and not in the fourth movie. Um, here's something for you. I think it's the last thing. There is a real psychological condition in which a person thinks his or her relatives aren't who they say they are and have been replaced by an imposter. It's, I always think that. It's referred to as Capgras delusion, named after a physician named Capgras. Uh, it is rare, and this disorder is categorized along with several others under the category DMS, which is Delusional Misidentification Syndrome. A few of the others are Fregroli delusion, which involves the belief that several different people are the same person in disguise, Intermetamorphosis is the belief that an individual who has been transformed internally and externally into another person. Subjective doubles is the belief that a doppelganger of an infected person exists, living and functioning independent in the world. Hmm, I might buy that. There might be a double of us. Mm -hmm. uh, reduplicative paraamnesia is the belief that a person, place, or object has been duplicated. And lastly, I knew about this one, but this is the weirdest of them, in my opinion, and the, and the rarest of them, thank goodness, is Cotard delusion, which is the belief that a patient 
himself or herself is dead, putrefying, exsanguinating, you know, losing all their blood, or lacking internal organs. Gross. Yes, because there was a serial killer, a real serial killer, who thought that that was happening to him and had to kill people to drink their blood because he believed his organs were turning to dust. That's how I heard about it. So, in conclusion, what do you think? If everybody became pods, would life be better? Perhaps we wouldn't. We would just go about our daily activities and have nothing to worry about. Yeah, be no war. No. But uh, none of the good stuff either. Just a lot of farming of pods. <laughs> Everyone keep themselves busy farming pods. Farm potting. <laughs> so. What recipe you got for us today? What do you think about taking one of these pods and try to shove it in the oven, put a little bacon on it? Sounds delicious. Mm, <laughs> yummy. Well, um, since we're talking about pods, what do you think I'm going to come up with? Something with some pods? I think so. Um, found a recipe on um, New York Times, and it is... Um, uh, beef stir-fry with um, sugar snap peas, which are pea pods, or uh, baby or baby peas. And uh, you can go on there. Uh, Jeanette will add it on the... I wish the pea pods were as big as their other pods. No, that would... You would... No. Well, <laughs> actually, you could save money and just eat the pod the whole week, take it to work, chop it up. I think the pod would last you a couple of months. Maybe. Well, no. We don't know. And then you could, like, crawl inside the pod afterwards to sleep. Oh, the pod's kind of slimy. But anyways, the um, pea pod, so if you don't like uh, flank steak or London broil in the uh, in the stir-fry, you can use tofu if you're vegetarian or um, whatever else you want to do with it, uh, chicken, shrimp, whatever you want to add to it. And uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Watch out for pod people. Till next still time. Maybe a bunch of them out there walking around. I think I've seen a few. I see them every day. No. Yeah. We live amongst them. Be safe. Don't go to sleep. <laughs> Good night. Talk to you later. Bye.